Welcome back to the Psalms podcast. I am Svea Mary, and today's episode is one that I'm very glad that we're doing because we're going to address a topic that can be the source of a lot of questions for people, both who have been Christians for a long time, as well as those who are still investigating what it means to follow Jesus. Today, we're going to tackle some of the Psalms that focus on revenge and anger, particularly God's anger and wrath. These handful of psalms are ones which can make us uncomfortable, and they say some rather distasteful things that can be confusing at best, and far worse, they can be the sort of thing that causes us to question God's character or even our faith. But that's why I say I'm so glad that we're going to cover this topic, because I am thankful that Autumn Ridge is the kind of church where curious and skeptical people are encouraged to address their questions about God and the Bible, rather than sweep them under the rug and pretend that they don't exist. To tackle this tough topic, I am delighted to have back with me my friend and fellow Bible teacher, Jan Wright, and we are honored and blessed to have our senior pastor, Rick Henderson, here to guide us through these tricky psalms. Jan, Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here. Looking forward to it. Rick, we loved having your wonderful wife here on the podcast with us last week, sharing about her favorite psalm, Psalm 139. What a delight she is. Now, we didn't address it last week, but in that psalm, David says some pretty strong words about hating his enemies, although he kind of makes up for it a little bit by following it up, inviting God to search his heart and thoughts, and that lets us let him off the hook a little bit. But Mm -hmm. today, I thought we'd look at a few psalms where it's not as easy to let him off the hook or other authors off the hook for how they talk about people and about God. The first one I thought we'd look at is Psalm 55, in which David says some rather rapidly fluctuating things that go from really beautiful truths about God, but also some really pointed language. Um, Jan, to get us started, could you read Psalm 55, maybe verses 22 and 23? Sure. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. So, Rick, David's words here are pretty blunt. Can you give us some perspective for reading his not-so-gracious thoughts? Well, here's some perspective for you. I listened to the episode you did with my wife, and you start off with some really, like, fun, like, nice, (laughs) easy questions, but we're just going to dive into the deep (laughs) end of the pool. All right. All right, let, let's do it. <laughs> we got a lot of ground to cover. Sure. We're gonna... <laughs> so David is being pretty raw, isn't he? He's being pretty vulnerable, and he's being honest about about how he about how he feels and, and what he what he thinks in that moment. Um, he he goes so far as to say, "But you bring down the wicked into the pit of decay." Certainly. God is just, and he has the right, and he should, because he's good. The only way you can be good is to appropriately respond to injustice, to wicked and wrongdoing, and, and David is counting on God to do that. Um, and it seems as though David is not simply appealing to, God, because you're good, I want you to do this, but God, because you're good, and I'm mad, and mm-hmm. these people hurt me. Um, and, and I can say that kind of just, you know, 
just straightforward. You heard me, but I mean, really, you got to think about these were people who were trying to kill David. These were mm-hmm. people who engaged in acts of brutality. I think we should at least cut him a little slack and say, how would you respond if people were hunting you down? Mm. If your life was Good on the point. line, if your if your family members had their life, if they could find them, their lives would be on the line. I mean, he is in an incredibly difficult spot, and he is just mm-hmm. opening. He's filleting his soul before the Lord in prayer and allowing us to see it mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> Mm. And it's not God saying it is good to bring vengeance on people, but our God is good enough and loving enough to allow us to come to him with all the messy and ugly stuff that's Mm. inside of us and just express it to him vulnerably. And honestly, Mm -hmm. David's doing that. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, go ahead. So sometimes we hear people say it's okay to get angry at God. He can take it. Mm -hmm. Other people say getting, you know, it's okay to maybe show your anger about sin or injustice in the world, but uh, but it's not appropriate to be angry at God. How would you help someone kind of sort through that as we're looking at David's anger? Whenever we say should or shouldn't, you should do something or you shouldn't do something, we're appealing to an authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and that authority might be ourselves, or that authority might be someone else or something else. And I would just say, if you ever say you shouldn't do that, well, what authority are you appealing to? What has given you the right um, to say that is wrong, to say, God, I'm angry with you? Mm. I, you know, I, I could have missed that verse. <laughs> I could have missed that passage. I'm just not aware. I, I'm, just not, I'm, I'm just not aware of it. I, I'm a dad. I, I know you, you both are moms, and you, you don't have to be a parent to appreciate this, but there are times that my kids get angry uh, with me over decisions that I make. Sometimes they should be angry over decisions that I make, but, um, but there's something going on inside of them. And as a dad who is not omniscient, I want to know. I need them to tell me so that I can know. But for their own sake, for their own good, it needs to come out so that they can process through it. Mm. I'm thinking about, uh, I never tell stories about my kids without their permission, so I won't I won't tell the one that I'm thinking of right now, but I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with one of my kids last week, and, um, and I just had to say, I could see it. You can see it in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. And then it just kind of like came out, and and it was good because we got to work through something mm. together. I'm trying to use gender neutral pronouns. But it was it's good for them. Mm-hmm. It's good for us. If I'm angry, it's good for me to get it out. Otherwise, I'm hiding from it, mm-hmm. and all I'm doing is just lying to myself about it. I'm not lying to God. I'm lying to myself mm-hmm. about it. I'm not able to. I'm not able to process through that. That's really helpful as we're about to look at some of these mm-hmm. psalms that feel kind of angry in tone, that that uh, the emotions that are expressed there, there's some value in David and the other authors being able to get them out, right? Can we? Absolutely. I, I want to throw in another factor that I think is helpful that makes it somewhat unique for David in a way that we can't totally relate to. Uh, David was the Lord's anointed. From a young age, he was anointed to to be king and to be God's man, to serve a very special role in Israel. And it is not a very clear line mm. between what it means to attack God and what it means to attack God's anointed. And so he gets to occupy mm. a very unique position that none of us get to occupy. All believers are anointed in the sense that we have the Holy Spirit in us and, and with us. Uh, but David was anointed in a, in a different sense. And that was a very sacred thing. It's one of the reasons that he would not attack or harm Saul, even though Saul was trying to harm and kill him. Mm. 
And so David is coming from the perspective, these people have attacked me. God, this is no different than they're, them attacking you. And so that's somewhat of a unique position, and I think it's at least worthwhile mm-hmm. uh, for us to acknowledge that it, as he's expressing all of these honest things mm-hmm. in his songs and in his prayers. Mm-hmm. That's well, good to hear that value. Switching gears to a completely different value here. Mm-hmm. Our church places a high value on missions, and uh, and we certainly have a heart for reaching unbelievers with the gospel. So I'm thinking that this next psalm that I have in mind, Psalm 79, has a verse that we will never use as a theme verse around here. <laughs> psalm 79, verse 6 says, Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms who do not call upon your name. Uh, this is not a very evangelistic yeah, verse. How, how do we them. read a verse yeah. like that? Yeah, that's awesome. I was thinking about getting that, putting that on a banner as people <laughs> walk into our church, you know, just welcome. No, yeah, we got to read it in context. It begins, oh God, the nations have invaded your inheritance. They have, devi- they have defiled your holy temple. Mm. Um, first of all, when... David says that he's not talking about all nations. He has a particular set of nations in mind mm-hmm. who have done something in particular mm-hmm. um, that is incredibly grievous. Um, it doesn't mean that God is necessarily going to act on what David requested, but it's incredibly understandable that David would be so greed for God's own character and his name and reputation, greed for himself and greed for his people. Uh, or excuse me, this is a psalm of Aphis, not of David. Excuse me for that. But um, but they would be aggrieved in that way. Uh, that God, you 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 have to. You have to protect your name and your reputation, and us. this is a serious deal. It's totally understandable, totally understandable in my mind why somebody would ask God mm. to for revenge or to simply ask God to pour out justice. Mm. And it is always just to respond to a wrongdoer for the wrongdoer for the wrongdoing that they've done. Mm. So let me just pause there. Mm-hmm. How are we doing? What are, do we got any follow-up questions? Because we're going to dig further into this. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense if we think about our own lives in the context that we would utter things, you know, if we're facing a national tragedy or we've had some sort of significant diagnosis or the death of someone in our family. Mm-hmm. The words we say in that context are, if you take them out of the context, there's a void there. Yeah. And so I don't think we can just pull things out here in the same way. We have to understand what the context is. There was a time in my life that Heather and I, we took a stab at being landlords. We we <laughs> we, we rented, we were moving to a different state. We re, The housing market was not great. So we decided to rent our house and wait wait for the market value to go back up. So it would be better for us to sell our house. We, um, And so the guy who moved in to, to our house, um, he ended up not paying rent, um, destroyed the property, mm. and long story short, the only way to get him out, and it was in California with a totally different set of rules, it would have taken a year to get him out had we gone through the court system and honored all the laws, we paid him to move out. It's something mm. called cash for keys. So he owed me thousands of dollars. <laughs> oh. He did thousands of dollars of damage to my house, oh. and I paid him. To move out of my house. And then it took Heather and me a week of vacation, uh, traveling back uh, out of state to to work on our house. And uh, it was, for us, it was emotionally devastating. This is the first house we purchased as, mm. as a couple. And, and we had so many great memories there to see someone trash it. And then I just, all the stuff that we had to go through. And we had no legal recourse mm. whatsoever. 
And so I feel like I can relate to David or to Asaph or whoever is is writing throughout the Psalms. These people have done us wrong. God, I just do what, God, I need you to handle this. Mm. And I'm going to trust you with revenge. I'm going to trust you with judgment. I'm going to trust you to do whatever is right. But I am so angry. Mm-hmm. And that's just a guy who messed with my property. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about somebody who has destroyed the place of worship, mm-hmm. who has brutalized, I mean, just violently brutalized women and children and and other residents. I mean, put yourself there. Mm-hmm. Can we really condemn someone saying, God, I would you just bring your fury down? Mm. There would have to be something emotionally broken in us if we prayed this austere, contained, <laughs> passionless prayer. It's like we're not really connecting That's with right. the things that are happening around us. This is a guy who's real and raw about what's going on. Mm. And yet, in this same... <laughs> In this in this same psalm, he prays, "Hey, I want you to get them, but please forgive us for our sins, yeah. God, for your name." Have you continued to read in Psalm seventy nine for your name's sake, not because of anything we did, but for your <laughs> own name's sake? Would you forgive us uh-huh. of our sins? And and I think Asaph is not a dummy. If you read his psalms, I think this is an incredibly intelligent individual who I'm going to use one of my favorite nerd words: juxtaposition. <laughs> he loves to set two things side by side Mm. for us to think about in the context of prayer and worship. And he sets side by side a desire for justice and revenge and a hunger for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that causes me to take the Bible more seriously. This was put together by incredibly thoughtful, Mm. intelligent people Mm. in response to what they see God doing in the world and in their own lives. And Mm. we see kind of that theme continuing on in the Mm -hmm. next Psalm, which is Psalm 80, um, again, the author Asaph keys in on God's anger, but this time towards believers. Let me read a little bit of that psalm for context. So verses 3 through 7 kind of contain this book-ended section asking for God to restore his people. And verses 4 through 6 say this, O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. So in a book that's filled with so many beautiful descriptions of how God shows his loving kindness and mercy to his people, how should we read a psalm like this one? Mm. Tell me a little bit more about the tension you're feeling as you read that. Well, he's he's focusing on the fact that God is angry towards mm-hmm. his people. Yeah. You know, how long are you going to be angry? How long are you going to um, feed them this bread of tears and sorrow about um, all the conflict that's happening around this? It's almost like there's a balance between him admitting you have reason to be angry with us, but you're also hurting us here too, God. Right. Yeah. And then in the next, very next verse, he says, restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. So there is this tension of, yeah, we recognize all the things that we have done and how deeply we're wounded, but come and restore us. Every psalm is written inside of a larger context. And the original audience is certainly the the one who composed the psalm. And the original audience, they would have immediately understood the larger context, and they would have they would have seen it inside of that larger context. We have to lean into it 
a little bit. Part of the larger context is, I think, a growing realization of just how damaging our own sin is. And God never reacts, excuse me, God never overreacts Mm -hmm. to our sin. Mm -hmm. God never overreacted to Israel's sin. God never overreacted to the sin of people who um, committed atrocities against Israel. And sometimes we feel like God's overreacting, and it's only because we underappreciate mm-hmm. the severity of our sin. Anytime we think he's overreacting, we're underappreciating or undervaluing the severity of our own sin. And I think Asaph is wrestling through that personally, and I think he's inviting other people into wrestling with that uh, c- collectively. But there's another thing here, and for those of us who who know Christ, we are we are Jesus followers. We should be grateful for the new covenant we are in. Mm-hmm. God entered into a covenant with the people of Israel that was based on if then, if you obey me, then I will bless you. If you disobey me, then I will discipline you. I'll punish you. I'll, I'll curse you. And it was related to them being ambassadors of God to the nations because God's heart is clearly to draw all the nations to himself. They played a very significant role. And there's so much about the Old Testament that you can't understand if you don't understand that primary that primary relationship there. And so as a Christian, I'm grateful that Jesus took all the all the anger and wrath and heat for sin on himself at the cross. Mm. And I don't live in an if-then covenant. It's because Jesus utterly fulfilled the requirements of holiness and God's law, mm. and he took the punishment. So he basically fulfilled the law twice, once by keeping it fully, and second, he fulfilled the law as though he had broken it by paying the full measure of, of all the wrath and penalty for sin. And I'm grateful that now I live in that, and Jesus mm. took that, and I don't have to worry about that coming on me. Mm-hmm. Other people don't have to worry about that coming on them if they trust in Christ. And so so much about the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, getting people ready for Jesus, and the longing, the crying out, I can't endure this anymore, was part of God priming people's hearts to be ready for what only Jesus could provide. Mm. That should definitely help us when we're feeling that kind of mm-hmm. need for revenge on other people if we know that God has already brought the solution to make that right, not just for us, but for the whole world. But, and also when we feel drugged down by our own sins, to mm-hmm. realize that there is mercy and grace there. Mm-hmm. I want to bring us back to a different psalm of David's, though, where he is clearly wrestling with a desire for revenge and for vengeance. Um, this one, to me, it just reads mean. Where are we going? This one is Psalm 109. Okay. And Wait, before you read that, uh-huh. I just want to make clear that we don't speed past this. My experience has been is that too many Christians are not aware of this. They know it at the head level, but it hasn't gotten deep enough to, to touch their heart yet. God's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's not grumpy with you. If you are in Christ, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Mm. All the delight that a good dad has in their child, he has in you. Mm. And so that's why that's one of the reasons that the new te- that the new covenant is so much greater than the old covenant. And we need to remember that. Mm. And um, Asaph is wrestling through all of that, and it is in part designed to help us see how magnificent Jesus is. 
So I just want to make sure that's that we really don't speed powerful. over that. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. So maybe in light of that, in the psalm that I was about to, to point to, here we see David wrestling with some very, you know, what we would consider now to be rather toxic language. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just read a couple of these verses. He starts off well, Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are open against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. And then he expresses how you know they're exchanging his love for their accusations, his good for their evil. But then he just gets mean. He's talking about this accuser. May his days be few in verse 8. May he take another office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. And he just kind of goes on and on in that way. Knowing what you just have said, both about how Jesus is the answer. God is Mm -hmm. not angry with us. When we read these kinds of psalms, are they no longer relevant for us to read anymore? Are they... Do we do we recognize he he just didn't have the full picture? Maybe he didn't know the the goodness that was to come. What what do we what well? Value let's be clear. He didn't there? have the full picture. Um, and when I say that, that is not code for uh, this aspect of the Bible is less true than other aspects of mm-hmm. the Bible because he didn't know Jesus. He just didn't he just didn't have the full picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we do because uh, because we know about uh, about what Christ has done for us and the life that he lived and what he accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. But no, these are not any less relevant. And so before I dig into why that's the case, let me just ask you, um, put you on the spot. You just, Jan, you weren't here for the vulnerability podcast last time, so (laughs) you might be off the hook. But do you ever get angry? Yes. Do you ever think things that you're not necessarily proud of? Yes. Do you want to pretend that you have to edit those thoughts when it's time to pray? Uh, if I'm vulnerable, sometimes I'd say yes. <laughs> sure, we all do. But which which God do we want to serve? The God who says, let's pretend like those things aren't real, or the God who says, no, bring it on. Let's get real. Just put it out on the table. Let's yeah. deal well, with it. I'm thinking about the damage that it does to relationships when you do that, when you pretend that everything's okay when it's not, mm-hmm. or when you clearly know that your child is angry and upset with you, but they pretend that everything's fine. The relationship, there's a, an obstacle there that can't be resolved mm-hmm. until there's yeah. honest conversation. So it's November now when we're, rec- I don't know when people are listening to this, but it's <laughs> now November when we're recording this. You ever been to that Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> where clearly something's going on, but no one's talking about it and it's just uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and awkward and re- who wants to live their life that way yeah how many people have walked away from church because they're tired of their religious experience being that way you can't ever be real you can't ever be honest you always have to pretend and religious people uh, love uh, and this is this is what religion does it it emphasizes the external and it's very image driven and you have to look like you have it all together mm. that's never the case that's never the case with a real relationship with God. Um, we can be real. We can be honest. We can be a mess. God loves us. He accepts us. He loves us too much just to leave us in our own mess and sin and brokenness. Um, but he all. But his love is strong enough to deal with us being who we really are when we come to him. And I'm encouraged when I read this by David. There have been times that I pray, God, I'm mad, I'm angry. I, there's something in me that wants you to go get this person. <laughs> but I know that whatever they did to me is nowhere near severe mm-hmm. as what my sin did to you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Now we get to see that in light of what Christ has done. David didn't quite have that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we should read the Old Testament through the lens of of Jesus, because he said all of it points to him. Mm -hmm. So that's how I want to read it. And yet David is crying out. He's saying, help me, oh my God, save me. Uh, uh, But you, sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake. I mean, he's, he's... He's decreeing and declaring his dependence on God and and what I think is very messy and vulnerable. And when would that ever lose its relevance Mm -hmm. for any of us? Mm -hmm. We can worship and we can pray just as messy as vulnerable as David did. Mm, That's great. And it's it's not like this is coming in and saying, God said this is the right way to pray. Right. <laughs> it's not like God is saying, yeah, you should be mad and be revenge. That's not, no. It, this is just David pouring out his heart honestly mm-hmm. to God, and that's a great example for us. As I was thinking about this podcast, I, I went back and I was reading through Jonah, and Jonah has this prayer that's recorded in Jonah chapter 2 that's this psalm-esque kind mm-hmm. of prayer that's recorded. Imagine just reading that alone without the context of the rest of Jonah's life in the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. We we would not have clarity about what's going on. Um, we should not do the same thing with, the, with these psalms that we read. They all exist in a larger context. Mm-hmm. And I think if David was here, I think if Asaph was here, they would say, we trust God, God is good, God is better to us than we deserve. Ultimately, we, we delight in the fact that God gives uh, mercy to whoever he gives mercy, but in the moment, it's ho- it's not always easy to say that. Yeah, I think and we it, have time for one last psalm, and maybe it's time to bring out the big guns here. Jan, right. do you want to go there? The big example is the most infamous example in the psalms of people wanting God to display his wrath on the enemies of his people is the one sometimes used by non-Christians to accuse God of angry injustices. And this is Psalm 137.9 with the horrifying statement that, Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. So what's the context around that, and what do we do with that? How much time do we have? <laughs> not Seriously, much. how much time? <laughs> not, not a whole lot, but, not a whole lot. Uh, I'll but be, I'll we want to hear what you have to say. So number one, that's grotesque, and I yeah. wince when I hear that, and I'm not proud of that, and I don't want to sing that song in church. <laughs> um, if that bothers you, good. It should It should bother you. you got to understand first that, just to understand what we're talking about, Babylonians were incredibly cruel people. They would march in. They would destroy your city. Uh, if you survive the initial assault, they would put a hook through your lip, tight to the uh, neck of the person in front of you, put a hook through their lip, tight to the neck of the person in front of them, and on and on it went, and you were marched from your homeland to their homeland. And as you entered into their cities, you would see massive pyramids of skulls as monuments to their brutality mm-hmm. and their conquests in war. And, uh, and you were you were made a captive, you were made a slave. And so imagine that is your life mm-hmm. and you want to take revenge. First of all, let's just pause and just say, I can understand how someone would be so angry, so overwhelmed after seeing such horrific devastation. Mm-hmm. Now, this Psalm, Psalm 137, Whenever it was heard or whenever it was read, certainly whenever it was written, it was probably, most likely, put alongside of, back again in my favorite word, juxtaposition, (laughs) Jeremiah 29. (laughs) And a lot of Christians love to stitch uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 on Mm -hmm. couch cushions or little pillows, you know, (laughs) but in Jeremiah 29, this is what God says to the captives in Babylon, build houses, plant gardens, 
serve the good of the city and the people Hmm. (laughs) who are your captors. And so we should read Psalm 137 right next to Jeremiah 29. Hmm. This is God's heart, and this is what God commands. That's Jeremiah 29. Psalm 137 is my heart (laughs) and what I want, right? (laughs) It's so if I'm going to follow God, I'm going to submit my heart to his heart. Mm. I'm going to trust him. And one of the ways that I know that his heart is better than mine and his ways are higher than mine is it's it's November. We're already starting to think about Christmas time. It won't be very long till I'm preaching Christmas messages where we talk about God sending his own son Mm. who came on the scene as a tender, vulnerable baby with the intent of giving his life for us. Mm. God would rather take on all the all the horrific payment of sin and all the brutality for sin on himself so that we could be free from it than mm. to put it on us. And when we read Psalm 137, it's like reading a mirror. This is what's our heart. And when we read Jeremiah 29, it's like a telescope letting us catch a glimpse of what's God's heart. Psalm 137 is is one of those psalms that should cause us to um, slow down mm. and bend our knee and soften our hearts and trust him more than we trust what comes naturally to ourselves. And when we look at that in light of what Christ has done, I, I, I don't think that there's any, any case to say, look at how brutal God is. No, it's look how good God is mm. to people like me who left to myself as I'm not good. I'm full of revenge and bitterness and anger, and I need his, I need his goodness in my own life. Thank you so much, Rick. This has been really helpful to just acknowledge these psalms and talk through them and, and gain this insight and this perspective to, to uh, not want to shy away from it, as sometimes I think we, we feel like these are tough parts of the Bible that are hard to acknowledge, but to embrace it, the beauty, the ugliness, the humanity, and, uh, and most of all, God's um, overarching good character that infuses them all. Thank you for helping us think through that. Jan Svea, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to one final week next week on this podcast. We'll see you next week.